by Rebecca Spencer. from almost the halfway line. Welcome back to the N17 Women Pod. We're a bit like buses at the moment. Nothing for a couple of weeks and then two coming along in one week for you. But it is because we've got a great... Uh, episode for you today. It's another one of our very special episodes with a guest. And well, this this is a, a very special guest. And anybody who's got a, a knowledge of the history of, of Spurs women will understand that. And hopefully we'll have some new listeners as well who are maybe not so familiar and we can introduce you to an absolute club legend. The most successful Spurs captain, male or female, eight trophies in 11 years as captain for Spurs, saw the club promoted several times while she was captain. Two stints at Spurs, 2000 and 2001, and then back in 2009 and stayed until 2020. It is, of course, the one and only Jenna Scalacci. Hi, Jenna. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Thank you. Good to, uh, yeah, good to chat with you. We've chatted a few times in various different podcasts about various different things. But as I say, there might be some people listening who are new to um, Spurs women and, and don't know the history so much. So for those people, you are you were born and brought up a Spurs fan and started playing for Spurs. So can you tell us a little bit about, about that start? Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, as you say, I mean, I grew up with two brothers, so all I ever knew since I was younger was football. Um, so from, like, when I look back at pictures, I always just had a ball under my arm and I was in a football kit. Um, just following my brothers around, annoying them from the early years, I imagine. Yeah, grew up in Cheshunt, which is just down the road from the training ground. In a Tottenham mad household, my mum grew up in Tottenham, my nan lived in Tottenham. And yeah, just started playing. Obviously, there weren't that many opportunities for girls around that time. I'm not going to say my age, but I'm old now. So there were no no opportunities like they are today for the girls. So um I just kind of had to follow my brothers around, play with them, try and knock on the headmaster's door at school to see if I could play with the boys. Eventually, I was allowed to train, which I absolutely loved. Um, but back then, you weren't allowed to compete with boys at all. So it was just training, really. And then when I was, I think I was in around about 14, 15, my dad set up a local team um, just down the road from where I live. Um, and I literally had to convince my friends to join me so that we could get 11 players. And yeah, and it all started from there. Just absolutely loved it. Um, we had to travel miles and miles for a game at the weekend uh, because there were no local teams. And then obviously I spent most of my Saturdays down at White Hart Lane. Uh, I used to sit at the Paxton just behind the goal to the left. So I had some obviously great memories. And I remember one day I was sitting reading a programme and they had like a tiny, tiny section about the women's team. And I didn't know, I didn't even know it existed because the only women's team, women's football I've ever seen was like once a year, the FA Cup final and BBC, BBC One. And, and that was normally Arsenal, Doncaster Bells, Cholton and, and them kind of teams. So I didn't even know that Tottenham had a team. So I took the programme home, showed my mum and she inquired, but you couldn't go until you were 16 because it was just a, they only had a women's team at the time. There was no youth section, nothing like that. It was just literally a, a one a one team there. Um, so then as soon as I turned 16, my mum took me down and I signed there and then and that was it. Just fell in love with it. Couldn't believe that I was playing for Tottenham. But 
when I joined then as a 16 year old, it's miles away from what it is now. Um, the rise of the club has been incredible over the years. But yeah, I absolutely loved it. They used to train once a week. I wouldn't even call it training. You literally used to turn up and play, just enjoyed it. Um, I was the youngest player there by about 10, 15 years because it was women's football. But yeah, as I say, I just loved it. I couldn't believe I was wearing a Tottenham shirt and scoring goals for Tottenham. It was, it was incredible. And then I was there for a season then. Then I went off, played elsewhere, went to university and then rejoined the club when I was 23 years old. And even in that short time that I was away, there was... So much had changed. Um, when I first went back, there was two teams. So you had a first team, reserve team. There was actual coaching staff there. There was Karen Hills, who was the manager, um, Jojo, who was the assistant, and there was a physio. And then there were volunteers in Juneval and Glenn who had carried the club from the very beginning and established it, basically just for their love of the club. Um, they weren't getting any money for it. If anything, they were paying out of their own money so that we could play. And yeah, they were incredible. And yeah, from there, I fell back in love with it. And I knew then that I, yeah, I, I was still actually playing for fun because the league we were in was a million miles away from the professional league. I'm not sure at that time, actually, that WS, the WSL had started um, or it was just getting started around that time. And yeah, for about Four years, it was just purely for fun. We trained twice a week, um, actual had coaching sessions. So we were improving as players. And again, like I say, I, I just loved it. We still had to pay to play. We had to pay for our kit, pay for our boots. We had to bring sandwiches for your half for after the match. I remember the most of the girls used to on the way just drive and get all the discount food from the from the petrol station. That's how that's how different it was. Just trying to save some pennies. And then gradually over the years, we started to climb the leagues and attract new players. And as we were um, going through the leagues, we started to get a lot more support from the club. And obviously, when you when you're winning, you do attract more players, you lose players. And there was a period probably of about five seasons where we literally we're moving quicker than anyone could have expected. And I think within five seasons, we made it from the third tier to WSL, which is incredible. Um, I don't think it's ever actually been done that way through promotions from the very bottom. Uh, yeah, so it's been, it was an incredible journey. Played for the team in their first professional season in the WSL, led the team out at Stamford Bridge, which again was just incredible. Um, before that, obviously, we won the league at White Hart Lane, which for me, it was just a real pinch myself moment because I remember being at Paxton, at, well, at White Hart Lane as a kid and just looking out and thinking, God, I wonder if I'd ever get to play on there. And it, it, was, it was a dream, but it wasn't a realistic one at the time. And then, yeah, I remember that night just thinking, wow, done it. And then ever since we won the league there, it just, just yeah, we were flying and then made it to the WSL. And that, and yeah, and then I retired 2020 during COVID, June 2020. So yeah, it was yep. a long journey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean the sort of journey that that is kind of relegated to the history books now. You know, that's not going to be the journey that the players have, which yeah. is great news. But you know, and but this is when we talk about being proud of Spurs women being a club that's worked its way up. This is what we're talking about because we really did. You know, you as players really did work your way up from from you know being recreational players to being professional players and, and obviously there weren't many who stayed on that whole journey I mean it's pretty incredible that you managed to you know own I think we've got a little bit of the similar kind of thing you look at Ash now and how she's moved through the leagues but to, yeah. to move through those leagues 
and to continue to play at that level, at the top of the level every time, it's not something you see very often. No, yeah, it, it was, when I look back now, it was obviously difficult. I, I look back now and I feel exhausted about how we did it because during, when we were in the championship, we were obviously only semi-professional. So we we all had full-time jobs and then we were training four nights a week. So, for example, I'd get up at half six, get on a train to London, get back, get, get in my car, get to the training centre. You do like analysis for half hour, get changed. In onto the pitch, into the gym, and then you're in your car like quarter to 11 home and the same again. So it's a bit like a hamster wheel for a couple of seasons. And we, yeah, obviously that was, that came with a lot of sacrifice, hard work. And yeah, there were days where I weren't even sure. I was just exhausted. Like, how am I going to get to work and then training again? And that would have only been on a Wednesday and you still had to do it Thursday and, and Friday and you could be anywhere in the country on the sat over the weekend, depending on where you got. So, yeah, it's a lot of hard work and sacrifice. And obviously, yeah, as you go up the leagues, the demands of the leagues get more and more. But I think one thing that we did really well when we were transitioning is the year before we aimed for promotion into the championship, we were already... Um, matching their training schedules so we'd have an extra training schedule in so that when we got to that league our bodies were physically closer to being ready where they whether where they would have been if we were only doing like two sessions a week so we were always kind of one step ahead of it but yeah the transitions through the leagues are, are really difficult I remember when we went um in our first season of being professional and I think the girls that had gone from championship to WSL for the first time I remember the first probably two months our bodies like didn't know what had hit them and I just remember getting home sleeping for about two months <laughs> and then you soon adapt and got used to it but yeah I mean and Ash is a prime example of that I remember when um, we played against her at Coventry and Karen and Juan obviously in the analysis she was the key player and we we beat them that day but she was obviously the standout player and yeah, so she's been on the same kind of route and is still smashing it at the top. So yeah, she's doing doing amazing. Uh, and yeah, those those sacrifices, I guess, when you you know they are made worth it when you're standing at White Hart Lane, having just beaten West Ham, <laughs> and, and lifting the lifting the trophy. How how does that feel as a captain after all that hard work to be standing in the place that you dreamt of playing football, having just lifted the league title? Yeah, it's unreal. I mean, I still get memories come up on my phone like every every now and then and I, I sit and I watch and I still can't really believe it could it happens. And I just wish so much that like you could go back and like bottle them feel, feelings up again and really take it in because I know we were there and we were loving it, but it all just like happened so quickly. Um, but yeah, obviously it was incredible. I remember the day itself um, in the morning, obviously we were working, so we all had to go to work. And the WhatsApp group was going off. And I'm not sure anyone did any work that morning. And then we got to the training centre. They put on like lunch for us and everything. And then we went to White Hart Lane. And Karen and Juan were being a little bit sneaky with the change room. They wouldn't let anyone in. And then when we eventually were allowed in, they had our names done on our shirts, which we'd never had before. So it's like a tiny little details like that that just made the whole like thing. It's so small, but for us, that meant like absolutely everything. We never had anything like that. And yeah, obviously, as you say, to beat West Ham and we did it really comfortably and all our family and friends were there. It was the first time we ever played there and it was just before it got knocked down. So obviously as a Spurs fan, for me, it was really special for me and my family and my friends were there. Um, and yeah, and I got to lift a cup there, which 
unreal never in a million years I mean like I say I, I dreamt it like I dreamt being a professional footballer but never it wasn't really a realistic dream for me because growing up I couldn't really see that and then another amazing memory which you mentioned as well was that first WSL game leading the team out at Stamford Bridge I mean and um, we only lost by one goal and it was a bit of a rocket goal as well I think that's yeah. probably the best result we've ever had against Chelsea the first game we yeah. played against them what are your overriding memories and feelings about that day? Yeah, again, another really special day. I remember pulling up and on the to Stamford Bridge on the coach and there were literally swarms of crowds coming in, which, you know, we, we've never seen that in the women's game before. And I think we it, the record was smashed that day, wasn't it? The record attendance. I just remember seeing like young girls with Tottenham flags as we were driving in um, and then walking out on the pitch. And just before we went out, in the tunnels when I had another little flashback because the fireworks went off and the the person on the microphone started talking and I was just like I get goosebumps when I think about it's like wow like we're we've come so far like again like my family and friends were there who'd been there since the beginning like my family followed me everywhere even when nobody used to watch Tottenham it was literally just my dad and my (laughs) mum Yeah, so a really special moment walking the team out. And then obviously, I think it was Beth England who scored an absolute banger in the first four minutes or something like that. So at that minute, you're thinking, oh, no, because I think I don't think many people thought. I think we proved a few people wrong that day. But if anything, we were so disappointed to come away with not even with nothing from that game. I think we uh, we had our chances to that we could have nicked it and we could have hurt Chelsea. But I think. It really good performance for us for our opening game in the WSL and as I said we were disappointed to come away with nothing at the end of it yeah two great memories and I was lucky enough to be at both those games so um great memories and uh, along with the promotion to the WSL of course where we were away at Aston Villa and just oh, that was a um, rocky night wasn't it <laughs> <laughs> well I mean it was bad enough for those of us who, who were just fans going back yeah. to work the next morning but for you guys who were celebrating and then going back to work the next day um oh. <laughs> yeah big big time but that's sadly all relegated to history now uh Rachel's going to ask you a few questions about your role at the club now yeah so you know as you were saying you retired in 2020 but I know that it was announced uh it was earlier this season wasn't it that you were going to have a sort of ongoing role at the club can you tell us a bit more about what are you doing <laughs> yeah sure so I've been in talks with like the staff at the club really from January 2020 about what was next for me and and the club and then obviously COVID hit so like everyone's world it all just kind of stopped a bit but yeah the club had a we're in the process of building up an academy a girls academy which runs from the ages of 21 down to under 14s at the time which they've never done before it's always kind of been anyone can turn up and play for the youth teams there were lots of youth teams so the quality of the teams weren't necessarily that good it it was more numbers Um, so it was all being really professionalized and that was a result of gaining promotion to the WSL so every WSL team has a academy um, so yeah, they. I was keen to get involved with that. I think when I retired, I, I knew that I wanted to give back to the younger generations. I think obviously I've done it at every level from grassroots, semi-professional and then professional level. So I spent most of my life involved in football. So I felt like I had a lot to give back. So yeah, for me, I, I knew that I didn't, it scared me the thought of w- walking totally away from football because I guess that's been my identity for so long and it's been been my world so yeah the the club were brilliant um I'm now 
working as the team operations manager for the academy. So we have our academy who are absolutely flying. I'll give them a shout out now, (laughs) which is under 16 to under 21. So they're probably some of the best young talent in the country. They play in a league which represents all the WSL teams. So, for example, they had Liverpool in a cup final at the weekend, just gone, played Chelsea, Arsenal, Man City, Man United. So it's a really, really strong league. And then we have our under 16s, under 15s and then emerging talent. So I just kind of oversee all of that. So, yeah, it's great. And the future is looking really bright for in terms of our own players coming through the system. There's now a pathway. I think you've seen some of our academy players play, get their first caps for the first team. So hopefully there'll be more of that to come in the future. That's really good. And just while we've got you here and you can tell us, what was the score in that game? Because the club tweeted out that, Spurs were playing Liverpool and I could see that we didn't win the cup but we never got the score (laughs) it all went quite yeah it was 2-0 yeah two early goals in the first half kind of gave themselves an uphill mountain to climb but yeah on the day Liverpool were were the better team when you look over at the 90 minutes but the academy they're in their third season now um they finished third behind Arsenal and Chelsea which is incredible last season they finished eighth so yeah, they're they're coming on leaps and bounds, and the the, the academy program for the girls it's um, dual career, so they're with us five days a week. They study, they're in the gym, so it's really trying to mirror that professional lifestyle, so that when they do get the call up, it's not a massive shock to them, and they're not completely out of the depth. So yeah, they've got a lot of support around them. And I was in the gym actually the other a couple of weeks ago with the under 15s just just popped in. And I, I had to say to my colleague, I was like, how old are they? They were like lifting the weights on them. I was like, oh, my God. So like we never had any of that when I was growing up and like their body types and everything that like treated like professionals from the from the age of 14, 15, which is only going to be good for the future of the game. And it sounds like you really enjoy working with that age group. Is that? Yeah, no, I, I love working with them. The academy girls are just they're so they've got the world at their feet, really. They're they're such a great group of girls. They're so talented and they obviously have a lot of support around them. Yeah, I, I, I'm obviously jealous because <laughs> I'm out of it. But now I just try to have a good relationship with them. And if any of them like have any questions or, you know, had one asking about universities and whether, you know, she's staying in England, if she le- if she goes to America, will will she give up her chance of becoming a professional footballer? So they come to me for like advice like that and life after football and I guess I just, yeah, just hopefully I'm giving them the right advice. <laughs> Sounds like you are, at least most <laughs> of the time. <laughs> None of us give perfect advice. All <laughs> so can you, I'm just wondering, can you give us any insight into the first team coaching staff? Because we all know Vicky and, you know, but we see yeah. other people on the um, on match days. So can you put some sort of like names to faces or tell us who the key people are that we should yes. watch out for and what they're so, doing? You've got Vicky, obviously, and then Anton Blackwood is her number two at the minute. So Anton, he's a great, great guy. He's He was actually with the club um, working for the women's um, years ago, the year we got promotion. So the year we did the quadruple, he was in with us as our nutritionist and S&C coach. Um, a really, really passionate guy. He's worked at Tottenham for since he graduated from uni. He's done all his badges, but he's worked on the boys' academy side. Um, when he was working with us, he then got 
a job with Tottenham out in Hong Kong. So he went over for four years. That's why he left that season we got promotion, which was a really difficult decision for him because he literally put his heart and soul into it. When we like look back at that season, there was we had such good people around us and good staff, and he was definitely he was definitely one of them key um to our success then. Yeah. So he went off to Hong Kong for I think it was four years and COVID brought him back and he's been around the boys academy he he works closely with with Juan and Karen when they were there um so he's always been in and around there but he's got so much experience and he's he's a he's he's a really good guy to have around the girls and obviously Jess Naz, Ash Neville, uh, Becky and that will know him from his time before he went to Hong Kong so yeah that's Anton Blackwood then you have Ryan who's the goalkeeper coach I don't, not too familiar with him, to be honest. I think he's come from Leicester. He's been in now for two seasons, I think. This is, will be his second season. Uh, medical team, Sarah Budd, who has been with us. She joined, actually, the season I joined. So she's, whew, she must be going on, I don't even know how many years now. 15 years, I reckon. Amazing. And Shona as well, who's her assistant. But I haven't been around the first team, really, for the last couple of months. So I'm not sure how all the staff are set up at the minute, but it's, I know that it's Anton and Vicky are at the will. That's helpful. It's always nice to have a little <laughs> bit of an insight. Um, well, you should give Anton a shout out when you see him. He's a very, he's a lovely guy. Okay, we'll all be like Hey, Anton, just looking around going, what are you shouting about? Okay. Um, But just as you're talking about injuries, can I sort of ask you about specifically ACLs? We know it's a big topic in women's football and Spurs. We've been especially unlucky over the last year, a year and a half, where we've had four players with ACLs. We've had a lot of other injuries. And so it's meant that some people are sort of wondering about whether there are changes that the club could make or is making to try and address that whether it's in training or you know kits you know there's been discussions about playing in men's boots and whether that's part of the issue and is there anything you know that the club's doing or you know has done to try and stop it getting worse I know that as a as a whole the WSL and all the clubs are demanding extra research into it because it's not just our club it's ridiculous it's literally I I actually think it's once a week I'll go onto Twitter and someone else I know has done their ACL, which is it's absolutely crazy. And I think if it was on the men men's side, this investigation or whatever would have happened a lot quicker. I know at Tottenham, obviously, they suffered quite a few early at the back end of last season and this season. Um, so I, I imagine they've been putting in extra precautions when they're they're in the gym and on the pitch and bringing players back from it. But um, just from where I've been working, doing the commentary and in and around the WSL, I know there's lots of talking points about what could be causing it because it's although it's been around, I think post COVID it's been more a lot more regular. Um, and I listened to a really interesting podcast, um, and Beth Mead was on it talking about her ACL injury and the amount of minutes she's played post COVID. So she's basically been got, been on catch up and done double the minutes. I think she normally did 2000 minutes or something like that, but it's actually doubled in a season. So they've been on catch up. I think when players are off at COVID, the training doesn't match, you know, being on a pitch, that physical output with your team playing with the ball at your feet. So that was one thing. It might have been that the our bodies, female bodies, just can't keep up with that amount of minutes and game times and overloading. I think as well, she's been, so she's come back from COVID, 
then they had Olympics, then they had their season, then they had the Euros, literally hasn't had a break in two, three years, I think. Um, And then obviously there's research into the menstrual cycle, which I think is a big thing. I think the majority of players who have had issues with ACL have been on, you know, in their cycle, which is another thing to look at. And I know that Chelsea have actual uh, member of staff in there and they manage the load of the players when they are in their cycle to avoid injuries and and their overload. So I think there's loads of factors in it. And it's not just Tottenham who are suffering from the ACL. It's it's it's, no, it's of course. scary it's I guess um, it's more just like is there a, it one we were wondering I guess whether those things and like it could even be in the youth team and the academies about whether there are sort of changes that people that are being brought in to it might be in conditioning or training yeah, or like yeah, you say yeah. at Chelsea where there's times not playing just whether you'd heard of any of that happening at Spurs more recently yeah I think that they have there will be changes. I know our S&C coaches, they meet every week and I, I can imagine that would be a hot topic given that it's it's so regular. But yeah, I, I imagine 100% that they'll be looking at measures to try and minimise it or yeah, just try and cut it down. But it is it is scary. It's, you know, you've seen Leah Williamson go during the week and all of the the way the ways it happens are so similar. There's no contact at all. They just put their foot down and and their knees gone. It's it's madness. But hopefully they'll get to the bottom of it soon. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Can I ask you another question, which you may or may not know the answer to, about sort of like how this club does this does things, and that's about scouting in the women's game. And one of the things we're always speculating about is how do you know, how are players identified or why are we not identifying players in particular leagues? And obviously a lot less football is accessible, especially from leagues that are, you know, outside of the UK or the US maybe. And so do you know anything about how scouting works at Spurs? I, to be honest, not in the first team environment, I don't, but I do in our academy setup. I know that the scouting issue was they were looking to employ some scouts for the first team. I'm not sure if it's happened. I'm not so much involved with them, to be honest. But with the kids, we have um, some we have scouts who are out and about and we identify our players. So, for example, for next season, we've already had players come in with us post Christmas. So we've they've been on our radar. They come in, they train. A trial with us we put on trial matches and where our academy is very strong now there's not that many spaces so you know the players have to fit with our style of play be you know a, a type of person that's going to fit in in our in our team so I know the academy are, are very hot on the scouting and it's quite a, a small world I guess in the academy world you know the good players are not around for very long shall we say but that's why we We've started now from the age of 10 in our emerging talent, which they just come with us once a week to train. They don't actually play. And then by the time they get to 15, we then you've, you've seen them long enough for four, three, four years. And and then you, you will make a decision whether they'll come into our pathway or not. But that's how our academy do it. In terms of the first team, I'm not 100 percent sure. All right. That's very interesting. <laughs> Thanks. I'm going to pass over to Caroline, who's going to ask you about more other bits of your current work. Yeah. So we know that in addition to your work with the Academy, you've also been doing a lot of punditry and commentary work in both women's and men's football. So what has it been like balancing those different roles? And are you leaning towards any of them to focus on full time or kind of enjoying doing it all right now? At the moment, it's all working really well. However, the, the, 
the commentary is funny because it obviously when I'm working the women's game there's quite a lot of breaks so I either am doing about 500 matches a week and then have nothing for two weeks <laughs> so it's quite inconsistent but at the moment it's working really well I'm loving the commentary and the punditry and just meeting new people every week and so many opportunities have come from just going to a job meeting someone and then everyone's so friendly and helpful and then you know you get a call the next week from someone that's recommended you so yeah I, I'm loving that and I like being at the ground as well and you know in the mix of it and yeah I'm just really enjoying it and obviously the WSL is on fire this season obviously it's a bit painful for us to be watching <laughs> but you know at the top end and bottom end it, it's it's competitive and that's how we want our league to be and to keep it interesting keep, keep people engaged and anyone can beat anyone on their day so yeah the commentary and punditry is great I'm always learning and I feel like a little um WSL geek I know everything all the all the stats all the facts but um like you say I've, I've also been doing uh, the Bundesliga mm. and and the French league so I've been opened up to a whole different group of players and there's so much talent out there Maybe I should take the scouting job. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so, yeah. <laughs> well, we know that you're a really strong ambassador for Spurs Women, obviously. So I would love to hear your thoughts on what you think the club could do to grow the fan base for the women's team. How do we build a bigger and louder home support? Yeah, it's a tricky one. I think at times I feel like we get it right. And then at other times it's probably factors out of our control in terms of, you know, you're wanting to get big crowds down at Leighton Orient, but a couple of games, you know, that random times, no trains, it's impossible for fans to get to the games. And, and, and I feel for the clubs in that sense, it's out of their control. I think the club could do more. I think the, the league in general could do more. I know a lot of it's dictated by broadcasting now because obviously they, they pump in the money for it. But for me, I still feel it's quite difficult to find out information. I know where to go, obviously, because I work there. But I think even the promotion of some games just needs, you know, get a one of the, the men's team on, on an Instagram, a post. I think social media could could be better as well. I sometimes go onto my, well, sometimes I always go onto my Instagram and I follow Chelsea, Man, you know, Man City and they're always, everything's all, always, I feel like I've, they're all I follow because there's so much content. I guess it's been a difficult season for, for the women this season. So I kind of understand why they're not so active. But yeah, there's I, there's so much. I think the games at the stadium have, have been good despite some of the the results but I think the attendances have been good I still like to see more games at the stadium but then you don't want to dilute the numbers there if you know what I mean I think it's about filling out Leighton Orient first getting that full up because it's still not I don't I'm not sure I think you go there more than I've been there I don't think it's been full there at all this season um so obviously I think that's the main goal I think that's it's difficult though when when games are clashing with the men's game as well so I think it's a a number of factors that that the games come on so so much and the teams come on so much but you know there's you're never you're still vulnerable you're never really there's always so much more work to do so yeah I don't know that's a tricky one for me to answer yeah it's one that we grapple with all the time on our podcast so (laughs) what do you feel well, because we we've, we've talked about, it. I think it's a little tricky with the new home ground. Maybe it doesn't feel like the fans have quite adopted it yet as yeah. as that sort of home base. 
Whereas I think we see a little more enthusiasm when we do have games at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Yeah. So, you know, perhaps part of it is trying to get more of the games at the main stadium. But then, like you said, there's the clashes with the schedules. So it it can be difficult. Yeah, I think definitely in the men's international breaks, I can't see a reason why we're not playing there and get them dates in the diary straight away. I know Bristol just got promoted, haven't they? And they're, they're going to be playing at the men's ground every game. So it is doable. But I know the club last time speaking, their, their goal was to get more and more matches each season. So eventually it does build up to the whole calendar being there. And I think they're on target to do that. They've also got Brighton on Saturday and maybe we might get one more in before the end of the season. I'm not sure. Yeah, that would be great. Well, like you alluded to, it has been a pretty tough season for the team in terms of results. So what area of the women's team do you think needs the most investment at this point in time? Is it something like scouting? Is it conditioning? You know, what what do you think is is something that could be improved upon to improve results quickly? Um <laughs> It's a tough one. It's a tough one. No, I agree. I think the scouting needs to be better. I think we should already know now who we're bringing in in the summer. I think obviously the signing of Beth England's amazing, fantastic, and she's come in and done her job. And I, I think her goals will keep us up. Fingers crossed. Um, and Iwabuchi in January, but I just wonder how different our season would be if that was done in the summer, if that business was done, like what Aston Villa have done, um, and then strengthen again in January. And I think now because we've done them signings a bit too late, we're now behind, we've fallen behind the likes of Aston Villa, who we'd always, I mean, the game was great on Sunday, but I feel like we need to be a bit more proactive than reactive with the signings. I think now what we've got is once we get Kit Graham back to fitness, Rhea Percival back on the pitch, we then get start to get our spine of the team back in. And I think you'll see a new, I think they'll feel like new signings that them, them two in themselves, obviously Kaya Simon, Jess Naz coming back from fitness. I think we've been really unfortunate with those injuries, but what you've got in Beth England is a world-class player. And I think you've got to build your team around her now. I think there's no point in having her in the pitch if we're going to sit back and not use her because she's a dangerous player and, you know, she doesn't need that many opportunities to score. So that, is a massive bonus for us because we haven't had that for so, so long. Even when I was playing, I remember the amount of chances that we just never took. Whereas I think in Beth's opening game, she had one one delivery into the box and, and she smashes it home. So for me, I, I feel like the midfield area, possibly midfield, I think we really miss Maver in there. I can't remember her surname now. Clemeron? Clemeron, yes. I, I thought she was fantastic last season and I was gutted that she left because she was such a nuisance, nothing got past her. And she would throw a body in the line. If she missed it, she'd track back, her work right off the ball. I think you need someone in there that's just going to disrupt play. Just a bit, not dirty, that's the wrong word. Just tenacious. Yeah, yeah, just a bit, you know, he's got a little bit of, you know, yeah, tenaciousness about her. I think I feel we really miss her. And if we could sign Rachel Williams back, that would be brilliant. (laughs) Yeah, we've lamented the loss of both of them many yeah. times this season. Yeah, they're, they're really big losses. Rachel Williams, I was gutted to see her go. She she was my player of the season last season. And I think obviously she's doing wonders for Manchester United now, which is gutting to see. <laughs> I know. I agree. <laughs> well, I know you commentate on 
the Frauen Bundesliga? And do you think that perhaps we could be scouting in more widely, you know, in different leagues? Because I feel like we tended to see a lot of players coming in from from the WSL. So is that an area of opportunity, you think, for the squad? Yeah, I think there's definitely a lot of talent out there. Um, but like you say, you can't really access or or see that because they're, they're not really, I don't think the games are played anywhere. I know when I do it, it's for an American channel and obviously the German channel. So I don't think you can easily access these players. But there's definitely some real quality out there that's like little gems that nobody really knows about. But when I when I look at the Bundesliga and the French League and the Italian League and compare it to the WSL, the WSL is miles away in terms of quality. For example, Bundesliga, they have Bayern Munich and Wolfsburg, who are constantly competing for the top spot. But then below, below them, it's not really Hoffenheim now. Oh, sorry, Frankfurt are now catching them up. But other than that, you just know the results. And it's literally the two matches that Frankfurt and uh, Wolfsburg and Bayern Munich play. Whoever wins them wins the league. Whereas in the WSL, there's so much competition. You can't call who's going to win it. And now obviously you've got Man United upset in the top three, Aston Villa knocking on the door. So in terms of strength in the league, I think the WSL is miles and miles ahead of those foreign leagues at the minute. Yeah. Well, one other thing you mentioned earlier was perhaps getting more support from the men's team uh, in terms of like growing the fan base. So do you know anything about how much they actually work together? Like, are there events where the players and staff interact? Um, Or do you even ever get, for example, we've wondered if the set piece coach for the men's team has ever worked with the women's team. I'm not sure, but I did actually have an interesting conversation with the set piece coach on the balcony at the training center. (laughs) And he, he was really enthusiastic about going over to the women's. I don't know if you've been to the training center, the boys academy and the men's academies separate. So the women's academy is on a separate not separate, it's just a little, it's basically their own little building, which is great. They've got their own pitch, gym, mm-hmm. food, classrooms, and analyst classrooms. So it's their own little home. So yeah, and he was really enthusiastic about going over there and, and working with the team. I don't know if it ever happened. As far as I know, I think the first team will have their own, the women's team will have their own set piece specialist guy. I believe it might be the goalkeeper coach, only because I see him with the folder on the bench. So that's that's my clue. That's why I think it might be Ryan. In terms of do the teams mix, I don't think they do just based on the fact that they are on separate in separate buildings. Um, and I think the training schedules are, don't match anyway. They're, they're never in at the same time, I don't think. So, no, I don't think they do mix. Obviously, for events and press events and media duties, uh, I know they do. But other than that, I'm not sure there's too much. Yeah, good to know. Well, I'll toss it back to Rachel to get our fun quickfire questions started. Yeah, so these are a bunch of different, quite random questions, some of which we've asked other players. So the first one is just, which is the toughest player you've ever faced in the league? Ooh, there's been a few. I would say Lauren James. I think she's she's just unplayable. Just You think you've got her. As a defender, I obviously had to mark her a lot during her time at Man United, and she was at Arsenal before. And I don't know what it is she does. She's just, she's really unique. She looks like she's jogging. She looks like she doesn't care, but you literally can't get near her. I don't know what it is. She, her feet are just excellent feet, comfortable on both feet, just glides past people. And for me, yeah, she's a player that you, you literally can't get can't get near her. So you're probably happy now that she's coming into even better form that you don't have to face her. 
Absolutely. I just feel sorry for the defenders that do play against her. <laughs> yeah. No. Be, I think she's probably going to be one of the best players in the world in a couple of years. No doubt. So which, okay, which present Spurs player would be your dream partner to commentate on matches with? Oh, oh, I'd say Becky Spencer. I'd go with Becky. I think she'd be quite funny, actually. We could have a laugh. I'll go with Becky. She's got good knowledge as well. She's been around for a while. Okay, so the next one is a little bit of a complicated for a quick fire question. We want you to build your dream player using existing Spurs players. We're going to give you five different attributes and we want you to choose one current Spurs player for each attribute to build your perfect player. Okay. Oh, go on then. So um, I'll tell you what they're all going to be and then we'll go through them one at a time. So we're going to talk passing, shooting, tackling, dribbling and then the brain. So the footballing brain. So for passing, who are you taking from the current Spurs players? Passing, I will go. Can we do passing last? Okay, we'll do passing in a minute. (laughs) Well, here's an easy one. Shooting, who are you taking for shooting? Shooting, it's got to be Bethany England. Tackling. Tackling, Ashley Neville. Dribbling. Visits. Visits, said that right? Visits, visits. We'll take that. Um, and, And footballing brain. Drew Spence. And back to passing. Back to passing. We'll go Molly Bartrip. I think that's a pretty sound sound player there. Right, who did I go with? Molly, Drew. Molly, Drew, um, Ash, Beth. Yeah, happy with that. So I know that I met you actually back in Louisville this summer when yes. y'all were in town for the preseason Women's Cup, which was a great experience. So I'm curious what international city you would like to see the team play in next. Oh, that was a great trip, by the way. I really enjoyed that. And did <laughs> Chelsea, Tottenham beat Chelsea that day? Or was it a draw? It was, was a draw. Yes, we were at the it watch party. It felt like a win, though, didn't it? It felt like a it win. It did. Remember the celebrations. Um, <laughs> oh, where would I like to see them play? I'm going to go New York. New York. Tottenham women in New York. I would love an excuse to go to New York to see them. So yeah, I agree. Hopefully we can tag along as well. <laughs> And another question about your media work. I always notice that you have a fabulous outfit on when you're doing your punditry. <laughs> so who is your style icon? Oh, there's a few. There's a few. I like the way that Laura, well, she's not really an icon. Laura Woods dresses. She's a presenter commentator. She's always got the, the suit, always got a suit on point. And <laughs> But actually... My, one of my best friends, she's um, like a stylist and she's my style icon. Her name's Daniela Belanca and she lends me her suits. So I'll give her a shout out. <laughs> she's got good taste. <laughs> okay. So on previous conversations we've had, we've been rudely interrupted by your uh, your dog, Ledley. So we're just wondering if you uh, yeah. if you were getting a new dog, what who would you be naming them after? Ah, oh, Ledley. You can't really beat. So I actually got a new dog. Her name's Lola, but I was trying to name her after a Tottenham player and nothing would compare to Ledley. So if I had a new one, I'd maybe call it Potch. Oh, there's a loaded uh, answer. <laughs> <laughs> if we do this interview in like three it. days' time, we just still call it Potch. <laughs> so no, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's another tough one. If you could sign one player for Spurs women, who would it be? Ooh, one player. Lauren James. That would be quite a coup, I think. That would be, yeah. 
Uh, and what is your favorite away ground to either play at or commentate at? To play at? I've never played there, but I've been to watch a lot of the men's games there. And it's probably really bad me saying this now, given what's happened. But St. James's Park in terms of atmosphere and I've never known I've never known an atmosphere like it when I've been there. So I'd like to play there, but that's got nothing to do with the, the weekend's result. And to commentate at, it's got to be the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium for me. That's a good I, answer. <laughs> I still hold a grudge that you never got to play at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Oh, I know. Uh, we, we were sat there going, just put her on for 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... But another thing that you know I have a little bit of a grudge about is that that you never got to say goodbye properly to the fans. We were promised there would be post-COVID some opportunity to say goodbye, and we never really got it. So I'm still gunning for your testimonial. No, when you get your testimonial, which (laughs) which players are you bringing back to play the current Spurs eleven? Okay, so Wendy Martin's coming back, Josie Green, Chloe Morgan. Oh, there's so many. Basically, I'd bring the quadruple team back. It's got to be, hasn't it? It's got to bring them back. Yeah. The old firm back. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I think it would be great from the point of view of fans learning a bit about the history of Spurs women. And, you know, it would be a great opportunity. Um, I think there might be a birthday next year, which would be an excellent reason for us to do it as well. But we won't talk about that. don't know what Um, you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) It's all right. You're younger than some of us. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so moving from sort of like the past to the present well what's your prediction for where Spurs are going to end up this season I know you were sort of saying we were you were hoping thinking believing that we were going to avoid relegations yeah. <laughs> what, where in the table I think we I think if we can get a result of the weekends I think we'll go I reckon we'll finish maybe eight or nine I think two more wins and we'll be even one more minute. I think if we beat Brighton, I think we can relax a little and we never be in this position ever again because it's it's been tough. <laughs> but um yeah, I mean, obviously Brighton to play, Reading to play, Man United is gonna be a tough game. So yeah, but I think if you're looking at them Reading and the Brighton game, you've you've got to go in as as their cup finals. Even the Manchester United game, if they perform like they did against Aston Villa, I think disappointing obviously not to take the three points but I think they'll, they'll have a lot of confidence from that coming back from 2-0 down against a really good side that that is some turnaround so I think hopefully maybe now we've we've turned the corner um but yeah I'm, I'm thinking maybe eight eight or nine I'll take it at this point <laughs> very happily and then we start again start again in and the summer. so looking at the other end of the table from your perspective, who would be the least worst title winner, given that we've got to make a choice between Arsenal, Chelsea, Man U and Man City? So the least who I don't want to win it. Is no, no, who's like, who you who could cope. Like for many of us fans, none of those are appetizing. Oh, OK, okay, OK, OK, yeah, got you. So who could you cope? Who's the least worst? So for me, I I can separate the men from the women team and I I want Chelsea to win I don't don't want obviously okay I don't separate Arsenal but I think Chelsea for me I think they've still got a little bit more squad depth and quality Man United don't really I still have a bit of a grudge for them just joining our league and taking our top spot so I don't want them to win (laughs) 
Man City actually did the art courses could do it, but for me, I think Chelsea. I think Chelsea will take it, and and that wouldn't bother me too much. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm with you. I, I I can't take Man United in the women's game. I just don't want them to be winning it. And um, of course, you were the first Spurs women player to score against Manchester United. I was. I had to remind you. Yes, yes. <laughs> Forgot about that. Free kick. Nice. <laughs> nice free kick, yeah, down at Chesson. <laughs> right, okay, so uh, one more question for you. What have you been your favourite Spurs women moments, firstly as a player and then also as a fan? As a fan, I'd have to say the Man City win on a Sunday night at Man City. And it was so much sweeter because I was working, I was doing punditry on Sky Sports and the pundits were all having a little bet before about the score. And the score lines they were saying, and I was like, whoa, no, I don't think it's going to, I think it's going to be competitive. And they were having none of it. And I just remember just looking at them like, I told you. <laughs> Not that I thought we were going to beat them, but yeah, that that was an incredible night. Um, so that's my fan moment. And then playing, oh, there's so many. I've been so lucky. Obviously, promotion, uh, lifting the trophy at White Hart Lane and that season in general. Um, 2016-17 doing the quadruple lifting four trophies which was pretty special and then yeah that night in Aston Villa where we where we held on with the skin of our teeth to get promotion and then obviously leading the team out at Stamford Bridge for our first professional game so they're the three that stand out but there's so so many I could keep you on here all night well we could listen to you all night (laughs) Um, I, I think we'd all be happy to sit here and listen for a long time but we must let you uh get back to your evening thank you so much for joining us um it, we, i think we've all enjoyed ourselves and learned a lot from from what you've had to say and we hope you'll come back and talk to us another season and update us with how everything's going next time we'll be asking you for some names of players to look out for in the future and things because obviously it's it's yeah. going well at the academy there yeah um, thank you so much and we will be back off well i guess i'm going to squeeze in one last question because we didn't do this in the last podcast so Predictions, everybody. This is everybody for the Brighton game. We we said in the last podcast that we need, if we win this one, then, as you say, pressure is is off a little bit. So come on, everybody, let's let's do some predictions. Let's um, let's start with Jenna though. Two one Spurs. Rachel, I said when we recorded the other podcast that I I was predicting four two. I'm still predicting four two. Oh, goals, goals, goals. Yeah, it's going to be loads. <laughs> it's going to be one where we score lots. We score a few. <laughs> I'm actually going to say, I'm going to say 2-0. I think we're going to keep a clean sheet in this game. Okay. And Abby was, um, Abby was with Rachel on that one. I think she was a 4-2 as well. Sadly, Abby couldn't be with us this evening. I'm going to go 3-1 just to make it a bit different. Not as high scoring as the last time we played Brighton, but uh, (laughs) getting a win will be um, enough. And um, hopefully we'll be seeing Rhea Percival back on the bench so we will be back after the Brighton game, hopefully celebrating one of us being correct in our score prediction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, do so do follow us on Twitter and listen in for that match. And if you're not or if you haven't already, buy your ticket for the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Players need us behind them um, all the way as we push on for the last bit of the season. Thanks very much for listening and come on you Spurs. Mm-hmm.